Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Enjoy what I feel in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. What an awesome move of God we had on Thursday night. Praise God. And you know, I know Brother Merriman has already alluded to this already, but when you're having great moves of God, there's great opposition. Amen. And a lot of opposition is simple distraction. Amen. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For a little bit this morning, to preach on the subject rich in mercy rich in mercy i'm glad that he is rich in mercy hallelujah he is rich in mercy amen if it wasn't for his mercy we would all be in trouble well praise god can you lift your hands ask god to have his way the remainder of this service lord we love you jesus god we thank you for all you have done for us today god and lord we're asking that your perfect will would be done god in the remainder of this service lord that you would have your way in our midst today god we need you today lord i need your touch need your help this day god in jesus name in jesus name hallelujah 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 Lord, you are mighty. You're wonderful, Jesus. You are wonderful, Jesus. You're wonderful, Jesus. Hallelujah. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, you're wonderful, Jesus. You're wonderful, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And you may be seated. Praise God. Verse number four here said, but God who is rich in mercy. Amen. This word mercy means kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. Amen. This is according to Thayer's Greek lexicon. I am not a Greek scholar, so I depend on somebody else to tell me what the word means. Praise God. Mercy means kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted with a desire to help them. I'm telling you, we all are in need of mercy. Praise God. We have all at one time or another been afflicted. Amen. We've been that one that was miserable. Life had got a hold of us and life made us miserable. And we were in need of mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We have all failed God. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Praise God. We were in need of mercy. According to the scripture, Paul writing, he said, we have all walked according to the course of this world. 
Amen. There's not any of us that have been held separate from that. We have all walked according to the course of the world. We have all been in that place where we were away from where God wanted us to be. Praise God. We had conversation. That word conversation basically means living. We lived in the lust uh, of our flesh. We were by nature the children of wrath. And, uh, and we lived according to how we wanted to live. We lived according to our own desires. We lived making our own decisions, not caring uh, what the word of God said. We went our own direction, uh, but we were in need uh, of mercy. Hallelujah. But God. But God, where we are, we're out there doing our own thing, living life how we want to live it. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Amen. While we were living that lifestyle of lust fulfillment, that lifestyle that was contrary to God's word, he still had mercy and loved us. Praise God. Robed himself in flesh, came and walked among us and gave himself as the supreme sacrifice for us. Why did he do it? That he might raise us up and make us sit in heavenly places. God picked us up out of the muck and mire of sin. He took us out of that place where we had got ourselves into that nobody forced us to get into, but we made a decision that ended up in that place. You say, but I never intended to go that far. No, we didn't. When we first started out, when that first sin came along, we didn't think we'd go where we went, but we went there. And when we were there in that muck and mire, said, God showed forth his mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. And sometimes then we were in this walk with God and uh, he's pulled us out of that muck and mire. So he pulled us up out of that pit and he set us upon the rock uh, and everything seems to be going right. But then we slip up. Uh, maybe we haven't prayed like we should uh, or we're not living quite right and we slip up uh, and we fall again. But I'm telling you, his mercy is still available. Uh, his mercy is still there uh, if we'll reach out and get it uh, because God is still rich uh, in mercy. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how far we've fallen. It doesn't matter how long we've been there. I'm telling you, God is rich in mercy. And it's being extended right now. His mercy is available. His mercy's right there. If you grab out and get a hold of his mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. We can get ourselves into some terrible predicaments in life. Amen. Jonah, by his own decision, found himself in the belly of a whale, in the belly of that great fish. And there he was in a terrible place, a hopeless place. Amen. There was no way to get out of where he was. He was in a hopeless place. Amen. But he was three days and three nights in the belly of that fish. And then he cried out to God. He prayed. He sought God. And in a hopeless place, God showed him mercy. And God gave him another chance. I tell you, we may not be in a physical whale. We may not be in that place right now. But you might be in a spiritual place where you feel there's no hope. And you have no way out. But I'm telling you, God is still reaching out in mercy. God is still extending his mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We get there by our own choice. 
Hey, man, they didn't even have guns, but nobody held a, a spear to Jonah's head and made him make the decision he made. But by his own free will that God gave to him, amen, Jonah ended up in the belly of that fish. But God had mercy on him. Mm. Praise God. David over and over again obtained mercy. Hallelujah. Of course, his, I don't want to call it popular or famous or whatever, well-known sin was his failure with Bathsheba. Amen. Israel was at war where David should have been. But he was at home. And he was on his rooftop enjoying the cool of the evening. And he beheld Bathsheba bathing and desired her and sent for her. Committed adultery with her. Days come, days go. She sends word to him that she is with child. Her husband Uriah was one of David's mighty men of valor. Amen. Think about that for a bit. Not only did David commit adultery, he did it with one of his best men's wife. Praise God. What a predicament to get into. David tried to cover it up, brought Uriah back from the war and tried to cover it up by sending him home. He would not go home. He said he wouldn't enjoy the pleasures of his home while his men were at war. So he sat and guarded his king. So David, in his desperation, wrote a letter, hands it to Uriah, says, give this to Joab. He gets there, hands it to Joab. In that letter, it said, set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle. And when the fighting is fierce, withdraw ye from him that he may be smitten and die. Well. So David murdered Uriah. The prophet Nathan said, you killed Uriah. Amen. He takes Bathsheba in to be his wife. And he thinks he's got it all taken care of. It's all covered up. It's all smoothed over. Whew. Now it's quiet. Because you know what? We have this tendency in our human flesh to think that we can hide things. That we can do things that aren't right and we can hide it somewhere and nobody's ever going to know it. But I'm telling you, there's one that will. Amen. Because you can't hide anything from God. He sees all and knows all. Amen. You can't hide it from him. You can hide it from me. But what does that matter anyways? I don't hold your eternity in my hand. But God does. Nathan came in and told him a story. There was a young, there was a poor man that had one land. There was a rich man that had exceeding many. And, uh, and this rich man had a guest. He didn't want to take from his own flock. So he went and took the poor man's little ewe lamb and dressed it and served it to his wayfaring guest. And David, his anger was kindled against the man. And he said, that man shall surely die. And Nathan turned right around and said, thou art the man. And all of a sudden, David finds that he is facing judgment. Nathan said, the child that you have had shall surely die. The sword will never depart out of your house. David was stricken. And in Psalm 51, I'm, uh, it's kind of a lengthy reading. I'm sorry, Brother Wisdom, I forgot to send you my list today. Psalm 51, verse 1 said, have mercy upon me, O God, 
according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. You see, when David found out that God knew what he had done, when that man of God stood there and told him all that he had done David didn't get all uptight about it he didn't get all worked up about it but he fell on his face before God and said I acknowledge my transgressions my sin is ever before me Oh, he said, hey, have mercy on me, O God, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. He said, I know your mercy's great. Won't you have mercy on me again? I admit I did it. Oh, won't you forgive me? Won't you wash me? Won't you cleanse me? Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Don't let your Holy Spirit depart from me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, God is there with his multitude of mercy. Hallelujah. But we also must find a place where we can repent and cry out for that mercy. Hallelujah. The Hebrew word mercy means to be gracious, show favor, show pity. Hallelujah. He said, hey, show me your favor again. Have mercy on me, God. Have mercy on me. Hallelujah. He said he admitted all of his transgressions. Hey, man, what a, what a vital, vital point this is. That we've got to confess all our transgressions. Hey, Amen. We can't hang on to a couple of them and hide them away somewhere. But David had to completely come clean and let it all come out because he was in need of mercy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Mercy will allow us to open our heart's door that he can come in and clean our heart and create that clean heart within us. Mercy of God will allow us to feel something that we call conviction. Hallelujah. Conviction simply means an acute awareness of the guiltiness of sin and the need for salvation. If we are hungry for God and desiring his mercy, 
He will show us what we need to take care of. You ever been sitting in a service thinking everything's good? In the middle of the preaching, something pops into your mind that you realize you've not taken care of? That's called conviction. That's God showing us mercy. Showing us what in our life needs to change that we can be what he wants us to be. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 11. Praise God. You know, if he never convicted us, we would not be aware of the sin that was in our life. If he never convicted us, we would think that we were okay. But that little thing called conviction, amen, makes us realize our really true need of him. Well, praise God. Ephesians 5 and 11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. If there's those things in our life, he's going to let the light shine on them. Oh, hallelujah. I know it's Sunday morning. It's, it's Bible lesson time. But I'm telling you what, we, we've got to realize that when that conviction comes, what that is, that's the light of God shining down into those dark recesses of our heart, showing us what we need to do, that we can be ready, and that we can make ourselves right with him. Hallelujah, it's not the time to be sleeping. He said, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. It's not time to be sleeping spiritually. It's a time to be awake and make sure we're ready. Examine me, God. Search my heart. Know my ways. Oh, have mercy on me, God. Let the light shine down in my life that I can know what I need to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In John chapter 8 and verse number 3, we have here a story that I know I've preached about here before, but it's one that here of late has just continually stayed in my mind. The tremendous mercy of God. Hallelujah. In John 8 and 3, and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Moses' law gives us the right to take her outside the gate of the city and kill her. She's caught in the act. There is no pleading for mercy. Moses' law says she's done. But they wanted to use it to trip him up. And so they said, what do you say? This they said, tempting him, they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Amen. Just got down there and started drawing pictures in the dirt. Kind of what I do when I'm white-tailed deer hunting. Amen. I get bored so quick sitting and watching. They got me on the ground. I got a stick and I'm drawing pictures in the dirt. 
digging rocks out. I was hunting with a kid that was 10 years old, and he's sitting there watching. I'm digging rocks out, sticks out, throwing rocks. Praise God. It's not my style of hunting, but there he was, drawing in the dirt. And these men were no doubt perplexed, wondering, what is he doing? So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. First he says nothing. Then he says he, without sin, cast the stone first. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Jesus said, He that was out sin. These men were justified in what they were doing. According to the law, they were right. But when Jesus said that, in my mind, beginning at the eldest to the youngest, all of a sudden they begin to think about the things that they had done that might have been worthy of stoning. The day that they talked back and disrespected their parents, which was also not prohibited, which was prohibited by the law of Moses. But yet their parents had mercy on them, let them get away with it. All these different things that they may have done that went unnoticed. And all of a sudden they realized they had no right to pick up a stone and throw it at her. When Jesus lifted up himself and saw none standing there but her, he didn't just excuse her behavior. He said, I don't condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Conviction made those men drop their rocks that they were fixing to throw. Conviction made them realize that they had things in their own heart that had been left undone. Mercy allowed a woman condemned to death to walk away free. Hallelujah. You say, well, that's an <clears throat> amazing story and it never happened like that in our day. Really? Because you know the Bible says that no sin can enter into heaven. So if we have sin in our life, we are condemned or convicted or, or, or sentenced, if you would, to death. But we're not talking, of course, about physical death. We are talking about a spiritual death. That is the judgment that is coming if we have sin in our life that is not dealt with. That's why conviction comes down. Because that is not God's desire to send anybody to hell. It is his desire that all should come to repentance. That is the will of God. 
It is his will that we would find those things in our heart, that we would examine and make sure that there's not anything there. That's his mercy that's reaching down, wanting us to find that place where we can make it right with him. It's his mercy. Hallelujah. There was a man, he was a, a good man. He followed the Lord, served God as his ancestor David had. The Bible said that he tore down groves in high places. He broke down the images that the people were worshiping. Amen. Hezekiah was a good man. It's a man that followed after the Lord. But his life was not without its own trial. Amen. He lived in a place of turmoil. A man by the name of Sennacherib had decided to destroy Judah. As he had Israel, he came up against them. He tried to buy him off, but it didn't work. And he sent word that he was going to destroy Judah and Hezekiah. And he even went so far as to say that the God of Hezekiah could do nothing to help the people. He said, don't listen to him when he tells you the Lord's going to take care of you because none of these other countries, their gods, did nothing. He said, I just rolled right over them. So don't listen to him. Hezekiah was in a place of great strength. He rent his clothes. He sent word to the man of God, to Isaiah. And Isaiah sent him back word to not fear that God was going to send a blast. Well, to make a very long story short, God sent an angel and he smote the army of Sennacherib and killed 185,000 men in one night. They woke up and the ones that were able to wake up, woke up beside dead corpses according to the scripture. Because the angel of God came and stepped in. Sennacherib, they snuck off and went home. And then we catch up with Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20. In verse number 1 it says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Well. You know, I believe that God was showing mercy to Hezekiah. Because nobody really usually gets a warning of their impending death. But God showed mercy to a man that had been good. And he came and gave him a warning. Then he turned his face to the wall, speaking of Hezekiah, and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord. Remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Hezekiah didn't go start saying goodbye to his family. He didn't go start making plans for a great funeral. What Hezekiah did is turn his face toward the wall and began to seek God and to cry out for mercy. Hallelujah. Giving him a chance. God was to give him a chance. Get your house in order. Get things right. You're, you're not going to make it. And he turned his face and began to cry out to God. And there is Isaiah. Headed out. Mission accomplished. And he's not even gone yet. And God stops him in verse number 5. says, turn again. 
And tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. Because Hezekiah immediately turned to God, God gave him fifteen more years and healed his body. I'm telling you what, we have to live that same kind of life. Every morning when we wake up, we should make sure our house is in order and turn our face towards him and cry out to God and God will show us mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. He not only gave him his health back, but it wasn't but a few days later that Sennacherib, his life was taken by his own sons and he was completely delivered from the attack of that enemy because of a man who was first willing to reach out and touch him. His first desire was not to talk to his wife or his children or his best friend. His first desire was to talk to God and reach out for mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe today that God is giving us time to get our house in order. Well, hallelujah. Amen. He's extending his mercy towards each and every one of us. Amen. And it's time to get our house in order. It's not time to be lazy in our walk with God. It's not time to just kind of be drifting by with him. Oh, we still love him. We still reach out to him. But, you know, it's just not that number one priority. I'm telling you, it's the time to make him your number one priority. It's the time to reach out and get a hold of mercy. While mercy is still available. Hallelujah. We've got to reach out. Well, mercy is still there. I heard a message preached many years ago. I'll tell you how many years ago. I have the tape. Praise God. 1987. I was a whopping 10 years old. Amen. I've listened to that tape a lot while I had a tape player. Amen. But it was titled Forsaken Mercy. Preached by Brother Phil White. Amen. It impacted me. I found that as a teenage boy in my dad's tapes and started listening to it. It impacted my life. He told a story about a young man I may not have it exactly correct, but he told a story about a young man that called him, was dying in the hospital. He showed up, he was dying of AIDS, if I remember the story correctly. He'd grown up in church, got married, enjoying life, got wrapped up in fulfilling the lust of his flesh, started cheating on his wife. That finally wasn't good enough. He ended up going and living a homosexual lifestyle. And uh, as Brother White sat there, he said, well, let's, let's pray. 
He said, preacher, he says, too late for me. He said, I forsook mercy. Walked away from mercy. You know, I believe that God will extend it over and over and over and over. But if we reject it over and over and over and over, there's going to come a day when all of a sudden we're not feeling that anymore because we forsook his mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't like to end on a negative note, but I felt to tell this story at the end today. You find it in Luke, the 16th chapter. The Bible said there was a rich man that was clothed in purple, fared sumptuously every day. There was a man, Lazarus, that sat at his, sat there begging, sat at his gate. He was covered in sores. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Lazarus had nothing. The rich man had everything. Time came and time went. And they both died. Lazarus was taken to Abraham's bosom, the place of rest. But in verse 23, we, we find the rich man. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. <laughs> have mercy on me. Sin Lazarus said, he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Beside all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, but can they pass to us that would come from thence. The rich man said, have mercy on me. But it was too late for mercy. It was too late for mercy. You'd stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Today as we sit in this place or stand in this place, mercy is still available. Mercy is being extended. God is reaching out with those loving hands full of mercy. The same God that let that woman that was caught in the act walk away. That same God who got Jonah out of that belly of the whale. The same God who had mercy on David is the same God that has mercy for you today. 
if you'll reach out and catch a hold of it. If you can find that place where you talk to God, where you'd be real with Him. It's not too late for mercy. It's not too late for mercy. Mercy's still there, but we've got to reach out and catch a hold of it. Somehow we've got to embrace mercy. God is rich in mercy. I don't know why I felt this today. Amen. But I do believe that something tried to fight it today. Because God's wanting to show mercy to somebody in this house. Amen. But you've got to reach out for it. You've got to want mercy. You've got to let mercy reach out and, uh, and, and show those things in your life. Uh, to let the light shine down that you can fix those things that would hinder you. I wonder how off that rich man thought of the times that he had forsook mercy. I wonder if he thought of the times that he had pushed God away because he had need of nothing. He was rich. He had everything he needed. And so God wasn't important to him. (laughs) But I'm telling you, we can be as rich as we can be in this life and have everything that this life has to offer. But I'll tell you what, we still need mercy. We still can't make it without Him. But somewhere we got to find that place of repentance where He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. we got to find that place where we can be buried with Him in baptism in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible promises that He will fill us with the Holy Ghost and resurrect us in the newness of life. That's his mercy. That's his mercy. His mercy. It's his mercy that's reaching for us right now. Don't wait till it's too late for mercy. But take the warning of Hezekiah and get your house in order. Make sure you're ready should the Savior call today. Make sure you're ready. This altar's open if you'd like to come and talk to the Lord. If you'd like to come and seek Him. If you'd like to come and partake of His mercy. Grab a hold of His mercy. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. I'm telling you, His mercy is being extended. He's reaching for you with love in His face. Desiring to do a work in your heart and your life. Desiring to help you. Will you take advantage of his mercy? Will you take advantage of his mercy? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we need you right now, Jesus. Lord, we need your mercy.
Your 